Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. It's all from him. It's all for him. Uh, it's all headed back to him one way or the other. Uh, today is going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to have a baptism in a little while. And so for those of you who dropped off kids, uh, that's a little bit of a thing for you because we want everyone possible to be out there to see. It's a good thing for kids to see uh, because it shows them what's normal in a Christian life. Uh, so as you head out today, uh, the check-in table with the iPads and stuff, that's going to be moved away from the door. Uh, and all the kids are going to be lined up at the door for you to grab the ones that look like you and call you mom and dad uh, and then take those outside to see the baptism. That's going to happen faster than it'll happen slower. And we're going to do our part uh, as a staff to make that happen nice and smooth, uh, and that'll be awesome. Today we're in Luke 10, uh, and this for us is a bio passage. So the book of Luke uh, is, a, is, Luke is a guy who was bankrolled by another man uh, to go all throughout uh, Jerusalem and the areas around that right after Jesus lived, died, and then rose from the dead and find out everything there was to know about Jesus. And so as we read Luke, we're reading it kind of from the inside looking out, okay? We're calling it Join the Story, and everything that we look at, we're looking at, okay, what would it look like if I was there? What would it look like if I was in that place around those people when Jesus said these things and did those things and saying, okay, how does this affect my life? And so where we're going to be in Luke 10 for us today uh, is a bio passage, okay? Because so much of who we are, so much of our own biography then impacts our behavior and impacts our decisions and the way that we live. And this is one of those passages that's just full of that. Like it's all about God's love for us and what God wants to do with all people who are surrendered to him. They say, okay, God, everything I have is yours. Take it, run it. What does that look like? We're going to look at that today. We're going to look at that in Luke chapter 10. You can go there in your Bible or your app uh, if you have neither. Uh, we'd love to give you a Bible as you head out today. Uh, talk to someone and we can get you a Bible and that'll be good. Uh, so Luke 10 verse 1, uh, it says this. It says, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he plans to visit. That means that he's not with them. That means that for the first time, Jesus is sending his people out into the world in the form of risk-taking obedience. Okay, Because up to this point, he's been with them. They've seen Jesus do things, and, and they've been kind of on the sidelines, just as spectators going, wow, that was awesome. Jesus is saying, okay, now you're going. You're doing this yourself. You're going to follow in risk-taking obedience. Verse 3, he says, now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. That doesn't sound good then. It doesn't sound good now. He says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Wow. Okay, so right away, we see this story about Jesus. We see how this is going to impact our bio and the direction of our lives. And Jesus says right away, like, this is going to be not stale, not boring, not just sit there and twiddle your thumbs until you die and you get to go to heaven. Like, this is something that's going to impact us now. This is going to be something that takes excitement now. He's sending them out ahead of him. He's not going to be there. They've seen Jesus do crazy things up to this point and show tremendous amount of love to people who are far from Jesus. And now he's like, okay, you're going to do that, and I'm staying back. This is the original Free Solo. All right, Free Solo, that's the movie about climbing El Capitan. That's what they're doing. And there is no rope. There is no Jesus. They're just supposed to love, show the love of Jesus, and hopefully it works out. Like, that's a picture of what's going to happen. And I think this is great for us. 
This is great for us to be reminded that following Jesus shouldn't be something that, that we just do and, until we die. And, you know, it is never going to be good. It's never going to be fun. It's never going to be challenging. It's always just going to be this rock that we have to carry forever with us. It's not that. This is exciting. This is good. And, and it's not do this so that God loves you. Like, them, ask the message right away. Yeah, last week we talked about go, give, and pray. And if you're like, I can't go anywhere, I've got this little bit to give, and I don't know how to pray, so that, that doesn't apply to me. No, no, no. You're missing the heart of God. Because one thing that Jesus says to us, he's very clear about time and time again, and situation after situation, is I'm going to be with you always. That's what he's saying here. And so as we go, as, as he's sending his people out, it's not sending it out as a drill instructor, furrowed brow, you better do this and you better not do a bad job of it. He's saying, you're doing this because I love you. This is a reflection of my love for you. I'm sending you out. He's sending us out with his presence. It's anything but something that we should, we should read and feel uh, oppressed and feel like, man, I have to do this or else I'm not measuring up. Now you're already measured up with Jesus. He already loves you. He's already got a plan for how he wants to work in your life, and our job is just to follow him in it. And for some of you, you're already starting to check out. You're already like, okay, this doesn't apply to me. It sounds like too much work. I'm out. Yeah, part of the reason you've checked out is because you never really checked in. Right, for following Jesus, we don't just put it on top of our life like it's an extra topping at Coldstone. It's supposed to be the foundation of everything. It's the thing that changes everything for us. And so that means, especially for us as guys, because that's the life that I know, this causes and this pulls from us everything. It puts to death every part of our life where we say, this is how I want to do life normally and stalely and selfishly. And for us to follow Jesus, that means that everything dies. All right? For us to die and to live again with Jesus is the picture of what it is to be a Christian. So for us as guys, what's our job here in following Jesus is risk, uh, in risk-taking obedience? Is we read our Bible seriously. We let it speak to us. We let it shape us. We let, us. we let it push us into doing things that we wouldn't normally do anyway because God's telling us to do that. And that means we sacrificially love our wives. And she's hearing this. And Anna unfortunately heard it first service. So that means I'm going home to a longer expectation list than I left with. And that's a good thing because it's going to push us to be better at, at our marriage. It's going to push us to train up our kids to follow Jesus. I want my son to be a better Christian than I am. And for us to follow Jesus, that means risk-taking obedience as parents so that our sons don't make the same stupid mistakes that we're still making as grown-up boys who shave. Like, let's be men, let's get this right. This also means that we protect and we love our daughters. And for all the stupid idiot guys out there that we see with our own eyes and we say, if that kid ever comes to my house, he's leaving in a box, that means that we raise up our daughters to see people like that the same way that we do and with eyes of protection and a heart of protection. It means we lay down our lives to, to take following Jesus seriously, which means it's not going to be boring, which means that it's going to be a challenge every single day. We are climbing with no rope, with no safety net, because we know that Jesus has called us to risk-taking obedience. And that's the life that he lays out for these guys. He's like, okay, you're going into all these towns, 36 towns, 72 people divided in groups of two, go, and I am not with you. Like, that's scary, but, but we know that we're moved and pushed by God's presence. And as we go, we let compassion drive us toward the harvest. 
Because up to this point, everything I said has very little compassion in it. And this is where God's heart, this is where the love of God is, is so complicated in a very, very good way. As he says that as you go, as you see people who need me, it should be compassion that drives your heart. We skipped over verse 2 so we can go back and spend some attention on it. These were his, these were his instructions to them, to the, to the 72 people that Jesus sent out. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers out into his fields. There are four people who wrote about the life of Jesus in the Bible. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, which is what we're looking at, and John. And Matthew also wrote about the same passage here. And and Matthew saw things uh, differently than Luke did. And so Matthew includes things that Luke doesn't. And Luke includes some things that Matthew doesn't. And one thing that Matthew says is that right before Jesus said this, that he's looking over a group of people who need to know about God. And it says that Jesus' heart was moved with compassion on them because they were like sheep with no shepherd. Man, if we're gonna do this, if we're gonna be people who actually follow Jesus well and risk taking obedience, it means that our hearts are gonna be, are gonna be given over to compassion. It's not just enough for us to understand the Bible and read the Bible and know more things about the Bible than I do and whatever, and then you've made it. No, 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 because there were already those people in Jesus' society who had memorized the first half of the Bible, who could tell you every question that you could ever know about the Bible or who God was like, but they had no clue how to apply it. They had no clue to, how to actually live that out. And so Jesus is saying, as you go, as you're going to take the light of God into dark places that you and I are going to walk into this week, you don't go thinking everybody else is dumb and they just need to do life like us. He says, you go with compassion. You go with a heart that breaks for people that are far from God. A few months ago, uh, we finished Sunday morning service. I felt like, man, this was great. This was a good Sunday for us. Uh, we start the way too long process of cleaning everything up and tearing everything down. Uh, and for some reason, I was outside. I might have been out to, to go get the white signs. Uh, but I'm outside, and I saw two people start to get in a fight at the, at the crossing or at the stoplight over there. And one of them was so mad that he got out of his tiny little car, and he's next to the person in the truck just screaming at him, yelling at him. And then the light turns green. And at some point in this whole argument, the guy thought the best thing to do is as that car takes off, to not get back in his car and chase it, but to try to punch the truck as it drives by. That's never a good idea. Because one, it's a truck, you're a human, you're about my size, so you will always lose that fight. And two, really, you're going to punch a truck? Like, miss and hit the person, that would be better. Let's be honest here, I know it's church, but seriously, that'd be a better thing. And the thing that went through my head was, God, we have a lot of work to do. Because if that doesn't impact this, I'm the issue. If the brokenness that's out there doesn't impact our hearts, we're now the issue. Jesus is saying, I want, I want your hearts to be pushed forward through compassion that you're going to see people who need to know about me. And as you do that, I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to send people into those situations. Prayer is Jesus' method for us connecting our best to God's best and us extending what we can do to now enveloping and inviting in what God can do. He's saying compassion is going to be what drives us toward the harvest. Because at the very least, God sees the needs that we see. Like last week, we talked about going and giving and praying and how that's a lifestyle for all of us. And so for all of us, it's never a matter of if, it's a matter of where. Where do we go? 
God, where have you wired each and every one of us to, to go and make a difference in our world? And the reason behind all that is because what Jesus says here, the fields are ready for harvest. Send more workers into the fields because there are people who need to know about Jesus. Before I was a pastor here, I was a high school pastor at Mountain View Main Campus for a really, really long time because it's good to spend 19 years in high school, really. And I remember one day, like because of school schedule and just the way that stuff did, we didn't do a normal youth group night. We had a game night, which in my opinion is always, I didn't like them. Uh, so I outsourced them to people who really like games, and that's really good. Um, and leading into the game night, I felt God saying, okay, even though it's a game night, even though it's fun, like you need to still uh, call for salvation. You need to give people an opportunity uh, to meet Jesus, like right after they play dodgeball, uh, which might be how they get to see Jesus. Uh, but, but you need to give an altar call at game night. I'm like, What? Like, that, that's weird. He's like, no, 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 you really need to. So, like, in between dodgeball rounds, I get up, make some announcements for youth group. I'm like, okay, and we're, we're not a dodgeball league here. We're a church. And if you're here and tonight's your night to say yes to Jesus, uh, I want you to raise your hand, and as we close, someone will pray with you. It's the same thing we're going to do here in about 10 minutes. Uh, and this dude who had been coming for a few months raises his hands. He's like, I'm ready to become a Christian. There are some things in his life that had happened a few days before that really opened his eyes to his need for God and God's love for him. So if dodgeball night is going to bring people to Jesus, that means, man, there's a lot of people in the world who need to know about Jesus. We do that. We let compassion drive us toward the harvest, taking the light of Jesus into a dark world because we know that there are people who are going to say yes. Because we know there are people who are hungry for a love relationship with Jesus. And when that happens, we get to celebrate it. Delilah is going to come up right now because one of the big ways that as a church we celebrate people becoming Christians and people following Jesus uh, is through baptism. And uh, you saw the tank outside as you walked in today uh, because Delilah is getting baptized today and she's going to share with us uh, her salvation story. As she's sharing it, uh, I want you to consider getting baptized if you're following Jesus and you're out of junior high. Our next one will be next month and so you can talk to me or anybody at the welcome table. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're out of junior high and you'd love to get baptized, we would love for, uh, for this to be you next month. So take it away. Before I followed Jesus, I had a lot of doubt and struggle. Now that I'm with Jesus, it feels like there will always be a better outcome than it was before. I became a Christian last Saturday. I prayed with my mom and a pastor. I prayed and put my life in God's hands. It felt true and real, and it was great to know that I'm with God. To know that God wants a relationship with me makes me feel amazing. It's more than amazing because God's with me. God has always answered my prayers. He's always been dependable with me, even though when I ask for strength to make it through the school day, I know he'll always be with me. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and hope. Although things can be rough sometimes, God has a good plan for and everything will be okay. Knowing that God is in charge of me gives me relief and takes away my worries. Today I'm getting baptized because I want to be with God. That's awesome. All right, so again, if you're here, you're out of junior high, and next month is your month to get baptized, man. We would love to, to get you started on that process. So one more thing I want to say about that verse before we move on, and we're not going to spend the same amount of time on everything we spend upon this one, because you're like, that's 20 verses, we're going to be here till Thursday. Not so fast. Jesus says, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send workers into his fields. As we sit here and we think about all the people that we want to see God work in their life, family members, coworkers, people who have maybe written us off and moved away, as we ask Jesus to work in them, we know that he could be sending people into their lives that we will never meet. 
that we'll never be able to touch. That as people have ran from us because we're pushing them towards Jesus, because we're making rules in our house or saying this is how you should live, and they have run from us, Jesus is saying, I've got more workers than you do. And as you ask, I will send people into the field. I think it's such a great message of compassion and mercy and hope that when we look at it and say, okay, God, what are you going to do with that person? I've tried and it didn't go well. Jesus said, you're just one person. I got more workers than I can send out. And so as we bring with broken hearts uh, names and, and faces and situations, okay, Jesus, hey, do something with this. Jesus has more workers than we'll ever know about. And that should give us hope. That should give us joy. That should give us faith to continue to press and continue to ask God to work in people's lives that we might no longer be able to work with. And that's a good thing. So third thing, as we go, we proclaim the whole gospel to the whole person throughout the whole world. Verse 8, it's everybody's fearful verse about mission trips. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Everybody's like, nope, never going on missions, never, ever, 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 because I don't want to eat gross things. When we were in Uganda two years ago, uh, I, we had an amazing time of dodging all of the weird stuff, uh, and there was one Sunday where we were at church, and they brought us lunch right after church, and it kind of came course after course after course, and everything was great until like this thing at the very end that you just look at it, and you're like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. I don't know what no is in Swahili, but I'm thinking, nope, million times over. And I smelled it, and it was worse. And then I tasted it, and I'm like, oh. And then our driver came up, and he's like, all right, time to go. I'm like, yes, it is time to go. I left a lot for you. Peace out. Jesus loves you. <laughs> the message isn't you're going to go on a mission trip, and you're going to eat intestine, and you're going to hate it, and you're going to die. It's not the message there. The message is you go as nice people. Jesus is saying, eat whatever is put before you. Don't like take out your phone and on the side like order Grubhub and then have them bring that to you. And you're like, yes, this is good. I brought my own. He's saying, don't be a jerk. Be nice. Every Sunday morning, uh, we have a group of people that gathers at 9.15. This is everyone who's serving everywhere. So it's all the kids workers and all our kids who are running around knee high. This is the worship team. This is our, our people who are serving that day. And we pray for the service. And my break moment for all of us is go be nice to people. Because kindness is what leads people to repentance. If we were honest about everything we want to see here as people walk in, no one would show up. Like you can picture you walking in on a Sunday and like, hey, that thing that you're doing in your life that's causing so much damage in your family, that could ruin you. You should stop that now, which is totally true, right? For you, you could look at me and say, Ken, that thing you're doing, it's going to ruin all your relationships. You need to stop that now. But you're not going to say that to me on Sunday mornings I walk into church. Instead, how do we lead? We lead with compassion. We don't lead with, yeah, spent way too much money on that. We don't lead with that. We lead with mercy. We lead with kindness. That's what Jesus is saying. You enter a town and it welcomes you, you show kindness by eating whatever is put before you. Whatever. It's kindness that leads to repentance. Verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. What he's saying is, I want you to impact people in every way possible. Like for us, we know, and Jesus' people knew then, that sickness wasn't just a physical thing. Right, some of us has financial sickness that we need to be healed from. We've got relational sickness we need to be healed from. We've got emotional sickness that we need to be healed from. Yeah, we've got physical sickness that we need to be healed from. What his message here is, let me come in and let me change everything. The whole gospel means the whole power of God, everything that God can do in a life through the whole person, which means everything, everything. That's how you're going to go. That's the way that you're going to change people. It's changing of heart, changing of mind, changing of priorities. 
changing our reason for hope, and we want to see that happen here too. This isn't a promise that died out and expired, and now we're just like pulling it out to look at it. This is something we want to see. We want to be a church that proclaims the whole gospel to the whole person throughout all of Southeast Fresno, which means it's going to take a whole church to make that happen. We talked about being kind and leading with kindness. We've got three groups of people that make that happen, our welcome team, our hospitality team, and our prayer team. We want to make this the nicest place in Southeast Fresno as far as being nice to people. We want to be the friendliest church in our community. As you head out today, there's going to be a table where you can sign up to join a bunch of mission teams or ministry teams and say, hey, this is the place at Mountain View Sunnyside where I am in. This is where I'm in because this thing already relates to me. This thing already hits me. This is where I'm wired. This is what I'm jumping into. So if you love the ability to be nice to people and be the shiny face that as people walk in on a Sunday, they meet you. It's scary enough going to church. It's scary enough going somewhere for the first time. They walk up and there's a cold cup of iced tea to give them because you're standing behind the hospitality table and you got a big smile on. You come in, it's an opportunity to show up for prayer and, and you're there because you love people and you want to introduce people to God. These are ways for us to join in, for us to say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where God has gifted me and wired me and I want to make a difference in my community in that. You can sign up for that as you walk out. Another one uh, is our media team. Okay, this is a tough one. This is somebody who has got an elementary knowledge of a computer and is not afraid to do a tough job because with nobody else, if they hit the wrong button at the wrong time, everybody knows about it. The people who's back on the computer, whenever they mess up, everybody knows about it, right? Like a, a news video playing in the middle of the sermon or the wrong picture coming on the screen. Everybody knows about it. And if you're like, you know what? I want that challenge. I want to go 400 for 400 on slides on a Sunday. I want the words to be up before they sing it, every single song. I want that. I'm in for that. I'm going to go 400 for 400. I'm going to have the first perfect game Sunday. It's going to be me. Man, we've got, we've got something for you. And all it is is an elementary knowledge of computer and a huge desire to say, you know what? I'm going to do the first perfect Sunday. I'm not afraid of hitting the wrong button at the wrong time, the news video starting, the picture showing up. I'm going to do it. I'm bold. This is where I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit back there, and I'm going to make this a place uh, where everything is, is great and inviting on a Sunday because everything goes smoothly. The job for everyone back there, whether it's sound or whether it's media, is to never get noticed. And so if that's, you're like, yeah, that's me. I hate being up front, but I'd love to see everything go positively. Yeah, I'm in for that. Last one is kids. Um, we've got an awesome kids ministry here on a good Sunday. About 30% of our church uh, is under sixth grade, which means that we have a huge opportunity every week to train and release and model for the next generation what it is to follow Jesus. And I know back there is a tough place to do it. The rooms are too big. They're too far apart. Uh, there are too many to this, that things uh, while we're here, which means that everyone who's serving in kids church, you're working hard. And I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart because in a few years, we're going to have a group of kids who have graduated from our kids' ministry and are serving Jesus as high schoolers, as junior hires, who have been modeled well from you what it is to follow Jesus. In the midst of a really physically difficult environment, you have to walk basically to Reedley to get where the pre-K kids are, and then you got to walk them all back in line, which is freaking impossible, and there's a kitchen along the way that they could go to and like drown in the sink. But you've said, you know what, I, I'm in for this. I'm going to see this happen. 
And for anyone who wants to join the kids team, like this is a great opportunity for you to invest uh, in the lives of people that it's going to make a real difference. You can sign up for that as you head out today. And Jesus gives a warning here for his people, for our people. He said, this is not a plan for personal protection. This is not a plan for you to just kind of skate through life and never be in trouble. This is all open-handed all the time. And he says this in verse 10. He says, if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet and show that we have abandoned you to your fate and know this, the kingdom of God is near. What he's saying is there is definitely, as you serve, there is definitely going to be heartbreak. There are going to be times when you invest in people and you will feel, you will go to bed each night feeling you are making 100% of the investment and you are getting nothing in return. Jesus says that. Jesus experiences that beyond that. For, for when we feel like, man, I'm just pouring into this person, trying to get them to stop doing the dumb things they're doing, start doing the right things, Jesus says, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've been there. Jesus spent three years of his life leading 12 men to, to carry forward his mission so that when Jesus was gone, everybody understood what it was to follow God and have their sins forgiven by Jesus. And in Jesus' crucial moment of need, when he's hanging on the cross to pay for their forgiveness and ours, there was one of the 12 that was still there. That is an 8% success rate, right? In school, that is still an F, all right? I was thinking about what would 8% look like, okay? Say you join ag, you get a heifer at the beginning of the school year and like, okay, grow this thing, make it fat, make it have babies, make it produce milk. And instead of bringing a big fat mama heifer back, you bring back a hamburger? I think that's still a 10%, okay? And Jesus got less than that 8% so that he could identify with us when we feel like, man, I've failed. There's nothing that's happening here. In those moments, we're carried by our hope for the kingdom of God. That means we're okay with difficulty. Because three days after Jesus hung on the cross, he had one of his 12 people there. The, the others had either committed suicide or they were hiding. Three days later, he walked out of his own grave. He defeated death. He established his reign as the king of the world through the kingdom of God. And we still live in the effects of that. So that when we go through heartache, when we're trying to make a difference in people's lives and we're seeing nothing come back to us, we know that it's not over. We're eager to embrace a little bit of difficulty knowing that it doesn't end here. That we could be people who are playing the role that God has for us to eventually make a difference in somebody's life days, weeks, months, years, decades down the line. We're just eager to give our lives to Jesus and risk taking obedience even if we don't see anything make a difference. We've got two stacks of cards here at the front. It says my top 10 list. Uh, and these are 10 people that, that we need to pray for and 10 people that you know that don't already know Jesus that you want to see God make a difference in their life this year. The way that we respond today is we're going to grab one of the cards and say, okay, God, these are the people that I'm praying for, that I'm going to invest my life in. It says one, two, three, and then there's a line because realistically, uh, not all of us can invest in 10 people equally. We need to make it simple. Here are three people that I'm, going to rate, that I'm going to love and invest in to follow Jesus this year. We do that because we're carried by the hope of the kingdom of God. And who knows, this week you might schedule coffee with them. You tell them about Jesus, you tell them about forgiveness, and they're like, yep, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's start now, and I'll see you at church on Sunday. That would be awesome. And if it doesn't happen, we're still carried by the hope of the kingdom of God. If they tell you you're on, you're on drugs, that's not how it is. It's not how it's going to be for me. Get out of here. I'm taking my coffee that you paid for, and I'm leaving. We say, okay, 
God, I'm content with losing to make you look great. A few years ago, I was on a run uh, with, with the girls, and it was, uh, it was cold, uh, so I probably had on a headband to keep my ears from getting cold and keep my earbuds in, uh, a shirt, and my dumb little shorts, because running in baggy pants is no fun. Uh, and I had the girls in a stroller sitting next to each other. We're going through like thin sidewalks and stuff, uh, and I'm looking dumb because I don't run pretty. Like, my legs kick out and stuff, and it's running, so nobody does. Um, and I'm running down the street, and a bus drives by, and the kid in the back like rolls down the bus window, and he says, you look like an idiot. And I thought to myself, shorts, headband, shirt, large family, on wheels. Yep, sure do. See you, buddy. Because I was okay with losing. Like, I had passed the point in life where I need to fight for everything and tell everyone how wrong they are. I'm okay with losing. For us, being carried by our hope at the kingdom of God means that we are going to invest in people. We're going to lay down our life for people. We're going to be the answer to people's prayers as we go into the harvest to see people who are far from God meet the love of God and be turned into children of God because we're going to say, yes, I'm here. Send me. I'm ready to go. And in that, we're okay with losing sometimes. We're okay with losing on the short term to win on the long term. And we're carried by our hope for the kingdom of God. And as we love God and serve God, he keeps pushing us to love and serve people. Verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Like that's pretty cool being able to say all that. We're doing spiritual warfare. We're not going to get hurt by snakes and scorpions. And Jesus says that's only half of it. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. What he's saying is as we love God and serve God and he keeps pushing us to love and serve people. And people are the real issue here. That's what I'm after is people. It's not enough just to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says you also have to love your neighbor as yourself because that's where it makes a difference. That's where our bio becomes real for us, that just as Jesus came into the world to give his life as a ransom for many, not just to stand there as the human trophy and say, I am amazing, but I'm gonna lay down every right and privilege I have so that people like us who are far from God can know God and experience the forgiveness of God because somebody at some point told us about Jesus. He's gonna continue to keep pushing us towards people to go into our world, to go into the dark, dark parts that we see every day, to see people who are living lives that are sprinting away from Jesus and us to lay down everything, to do everything we can to try and make a difference. Jesus says that's exactly where I want you. Let's stand and let's pray.